You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome to episode 17 of Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast for chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. I'm your host, Hillary Jastrom, and I'm honored to have you along for the ride today. Since we last had Armando Cruz on the show, he's added another title to his name, best-selling author. The Legacy Code was released just last week and is a top-ranked Amazon book already. We are picking up where we left off in our last show with Armando, and today we'll be talking about crafting and nurturing a fruitful relationship between our minds, bodies, and souls. Please welcome the creator and owner of the Rich Man Experience, the owner at Cruise Country and Physical Therapy, Armando Cruz. Thank you so much for coming back to Sick Biz Buzz, Armando. We are so thrilled to have you again. Uh, we just didn't get enough time, it felt like. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy to be back. Uh, I enjoyed the last time, and I'm looking forward to, to sharing some more this time around and hopefully answering some of the questions that some of the listeners may have. Oh, that would be excellent. Um, so in the last show, we talked about how a person with a disability or chronic illness can create a breakthrough for themselves. Today, we are focusing on taking care of our minds, bodies, and souls. A relationship exists between all three. And I'm just going to give the stage right to you and let you expand on that and, and share with people what you mean. Sure. Last time we were talking about, you know, that, that, that idea that most people are almost, it seems at war with themselves, with their body. And if you're experiencing any level of pain, as so many of, you know, of the listeners are, or some level of disease or sickness that you're having to overcome, more often than not, especially when you're talking about autoimmune diseases, especially when you're talking about uh, neurological diseases, when you're talking about even um, overuse injuries and uh, things that continue to debilitate that show up in your life over and over and over again. The tendency, to th the tendency is, is you get so frustrated and so overwhelmed because, let's face it, disease, right? It's in the word, dis-ease. You are no longer at ease, right? Um, Absolutely. <laughs> when you're in pain, all of that is exhausting. And the tendency is to want to fight back. In fact, you hear it in our vocabulary when speaking about it. You know, hey, we fought and beat cancer. We, you know... We overcame this. I, I want you to take away that context for a second and step into if it was your marriage or your relationship. You know, would, would it sound the same way as if you said, oh, I beat my wife in, a, in an argument? Like, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you really winning at that point? Like, at that point, <laughs> it's a lose-lose battle. That's a You're, good point. You understand yes. the thing? So <clears throat> very often we have this idea that we need to go to war and tell the body who's boss. 
when in reality what's happening is that we've disconnected with our body so much that this is the way the body is getting our attention. Just like a dysfunctional relationship, people do things to get attention and to to try to, you know, not necessarily logically get people back together, but they start doing things that from the outside, you're like, that. how does that even make any sense? Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you relate to that? I can. And when I talk to you, you, you ask me what my body is trying to tell me. So like, what do you think it needs right now? And I think we're, we're so used to, like you said, it's really interesting when you use that analogy of, I beat my wife in an argument. Like if I, (laughs) I just try to think if I, if I flip that on my husband, what he would say, he'd be like, no, you didn't. (laughs) So we get into this combative mode, but then also when we position ourselves as warriors or fighters, there always has to be a loser or a victim. So, you know, when we say somebody lost their battle to cancer, for example, <clears throat> I don't think that's fair. Uh, and I, I don't think that it, um, I don't think it fully encompasses the entire spirit and heart and mind of the person who had fought. So, yes, we get into this combative state of mind of, I'm going to fight my body on this instead of what you advise to do, which is really listen to your body. What in the heck does your body need? Um, your body is crying out for something and telling you if it, it's telling you in this cryptic language, if you do this for me, I'll feel better. Right. Yeah. You know, um, when you said that something came to mind and, um, it reminded me of the stages of of grief. And the reason is, you know, you take, you have your denial, your, your anger, your bargaining, your depression, and then your acceptance. What I'm talking about right now is you still need to go through that because if somebody just handed you the diagnosis of cancer, you're going to initially have that denial. Like you're going to have to go through those stages. Mm -hmm. Some people kind of stretch some of them out depending on where they are, but it's not until you can get to acceptance that you'll fully be able to embrace that. And, and I'm bringing this up because I think from the outside, um, as someone who's not currently experiencing that, um, the same thing goes for you. I think you've gone through all these stages and, you know, whenever there's a flare up, there's a tendency to kind of go through those stages one more time, mm-hmm. even so briefly. But you're, we're already at a place where we can step back and say, oh, yes, the relationship thing makes sense. But when you're first handed this, this, uh, this diagnosis, it's, it's, it, it'll shake the, the earth you're standing on. And you do need to go through these kind of stages of grief. Yes, um, ab- absolutely. So don't don't think that I am downplaying them. You may not be at the acceptance stage ready to do that. You may still be at the bargaining stage, like saying, hey, if I do this for you, now will you do this back to me? Mm-hmm. And you realize it doesn't work that way. The same way 
as in a relationship. And I'm going to continue bringing it back because like no serious relationship that you have in your life would that work long term, right? Bargaining in a relationship is not a healthy thing. It, it just isn't. It, you're, you're both coming from a place of scarcity and you're not really serving each other to your fullest potential. Right. And go, uh huh. Sorry. Uh huh. I think that also you're keeping track when you start keeping track of, I did this for you. you did you do this for me? Um, and then just to piggyback on the grief stages for a minute. Yes, absolutely. It's so important to feel every one of those feelings, every one of those emotions that comes up. And it's not a predictive map. It's not like today I'm going to feel this. And, and when I'm done feeling anger, then I'll move on to grief. You know, it's not, it's not that. You might ping pong all over the place. You might deal mostly with anger. You might deal mostly with denial. So everybody's, everybody's process looks different, but there definitely is a process. And I like what you said, too, about um, for people with autoimmune diseases, specifically when you have an exacerbation. So if you get stressed out, for example, or maybe you catch the flu, then your symptoms all kind of catch up with you Um and it can be very overwhelming and you can experience maybe it's not as significant as the first time you were diagnosed and learned that your life would be different. But you definitely can experience some anger. You can experiencing you can experience some bargaining even Um you know, it, it might look something like, if I do all this laundry, will you just leave me alone, God? <laughs> <laughs> that type of a thing. But we do continually go through it. Um, so I thought that was an excellent point that you brought up. What do you think for you is the one thing that kind of really stands out when you go through that? And I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. Because I know you've gone through these things. But if you think about it, because I think it could be really helpful. I, could th I think that that process, because I imagine if you're listening to this right now, this isn't your first go around at this. Mm -hmm. More often than not, you've been dealing with this as an entrepreneur, as somebody. So you're, you've been having to play this tug of war sort of is what it feels like. So this isn't new. This idea that when you get a flare up, there's this frustration going into that bargaining, maybe even the depression again. Oh crap, I'm back. Like the tendency, like you, we, we, we do a bad job of actually scaling what actually happened. And we'll say, oh, you know, I had this flare up. And instead of saying, oh, okay, I know the steps to move forward in this, we say, I, I'm starting from the beginning again. You know what I'm saying? Like everything yes. I've done is lost. Yes. And there's like this, this sense this, of hopelessness sometimes, even if it's, even if it's very short, that is very debilitating. And that's actually one of the things that I like to focus on is helping, helping my clients understand that this isn't, uh, Oh, if this ever happens, no. If you have an autoimmune disease, this is a when it happens. 
And when it happens, the more prepared you are, the shorter that that span will be and the quicker you go back to being able to move forward as opposed to staying stuck in one of these 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 stages of of uh of grief if you want to call them and that is the key the key is acceptance we and i feel like i can speak for this population struggle with balance because the nature of an autoimmune or chronic illness and even a disability which can uh, cause different muscles to be strained, can cause, uh, you know, a different way of walking, which can, it can trigger exhaustion. We do not have this consistent expectation of each day looks like this and the next day looks like this. It is a roller coaster up and down. It is peaks and valleys and it is the continual adjusting to that. And I think where we get in trouble sometimes, and this is going to sound kind of weird, but um, it's when we have good days. <clears throat> when we have good days, we we try to get so much done. But in addition to that, it's like we almost lie to ourselves a little bit during those good days. Oh, I'm not that sick. See, I really can do it this way. See, I really can keep up with the rest of the pack, the rest of these grinding and hustling entrepreneurs. And we overdo it. And then we move into this grotto of depression or being disappointed in ourselves. And we have to start the cycle over as soon as we take that self-care time to take care of ourselves. As soon as we take that time to say, you know what? And you've seen this, Armando with me in the past couple weeks, it was like, uh, we're shutting down and <laughs> going out of business because there's nothing, you don't have anything without your health. And so we all have to work on saying it's okay that we're sick or disabled. It's okay. We are, and we know this, we've said this many, many times, you are not your illness, obviously you have an illness or you have a disability, it means that you have to be aware of it all the time, even on the good days, so that we can say, and I just get so tired of it. Sometimes people would be like, well, take it easy. And I just want to say, well, F you, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> because I want to pretend and drag out those good days. But we have to, even on the good days, we have to say, I have this condition and I have to be aware of it so that I don't go as deeply down, you know, into that, into the trenches of depression of feeling like I'm not enough. Right. And that, that's beautiful right there. That last statement right there sums up everything and why that happens even on the first place. Right. Because you just said, <clears throat> to make it so that you you almost feel like you have to step up to this ideal of hustle to be worth it or to be considered a legit entrepreneur or this what i find is that there are different stages or different 
levels when, when I'm working with a client and you need to go through them, right? There's the initial phase, which is usually when they come to me, right? With, whereas they're, they're in that survival state. They're in some of those, they're, they're kind of stuck in those uh, stages of grief, if you want to call it. They're in mm -hmm. denial, they're anger, they're bargaining, depression, acceptance, um, and they're looking for answers. Once you're out of that survival state, then we start shifting into a state where we can start moving into thriving, where we start gaining control, predictability, so that you know what to do when certain things happen so you can keep moving in that direction. But none of that matters if you're playing someone else's game. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is one of the biggest uh, issues that I think, especially when we're talking about entrepreneurs, that they have is this comparison game. And they're playing a game where they're not even sure of the rules mm -hmm. and they're exhausting themselves trying to play the game that they don't even know what winning actually looks like. And so when, when you go out and exhaust yourself and you say, using your words, and you trick yourself to thinking that you are all right, but you're tricking yourself to thinking you are right to do what? In other words, very often it's more of proving yourself to someone else or to some idea out there. It's not even you that when, when I work with my clients, what I find is when we get over that is we focus more on the, the part where you are you right now to the best of your ability and there's not that proving to other people. And now what happens is you're doing what you're doing based off of you, not off of someone else's game, not someone else's box. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we think that we have the truth behind how people are actually performing. We can look at somebody's social media account. We can say, oh, they write for here. They write for there. They must be doing this. I see these pictures, they're traveling, they're doing this, whatever. And that is a perception. You are only given the information that that person wants you to have. And so this comparison exists in our mind. It's not even a real thing. It's not even a real game. It's almost like I'm going to sit down at the table and play Monopoly by myself. Because there's no other player in this but you. And so we develop this perception of success looks like this. Entrepreneurism looks like this. And if I'm not doing it, I'm not succeeding. So you're absolutely right. What we, are, we are taking part in all of this competition based on what we think we know. We don't have enough information. So when if you want to have a competition, turn it inward. You know, we, this is why we have to-do lists. I'll write things down and say, well, I'm going to do this, 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 and this today. If you're having a good day and you feel like you can get a little bit extra done, that's your competition. You are in competition with no one. And the more that I have worked with people who have said, well, I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to, to do that. I'm trying to piggyback on these specialties and in the industries, whatever they happen to be. 
but they lose the passion and they lose themselves because they think everybody is doing it this way. This is how I have to do it. And for a person who is suffering from a chronic disease, I won't say suffering. I will say afflicted or affected by a chronic disease or disability. That's dangerous. It's just plain dangerous. I agree. I agree. So it does it does nothing. It does nothing to help you with the balance. And you know, it 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 doesn't have to be this ever elusive balance that's shimmering off in the background of like this oasis that we're all trying to get to. We actually can achieve balance when we start listening to our bodies. Right. I, I would say I would say I I'm kind of always skeptical of the word balance. I get it. What we're what what when we when people say balance, what they're trying to say, I would probably say, instead of balance, uh, priorities, mm-hmm. because balance to me has a connotation. When I think of balances, it's equal on both sides, meaning it's static, meaning it's yeah, staying true. where it is. Right. So we want progress, and in order to have progress, you need to actually have things a little thing a little bit out of balance so that you're moving forward. Um, so I would say focusing more instead of on balance, focusing more on priorities and priorities need to start with understanding you. If you can't Mm -hmm. love you where you are right now, then all the other stuff is not going to matter. And I think a lot of times people get stuck because they don't want to take the time for self-care because they feel like if they do that, they're letting other people down. And so they try as hard as they can to prove that to other people, you know, I can do this, I can serve you, um, I can pack in as many appointments as so-and-so, but they're not, they're not, again, serving themselves. So if, if a person is not in the habit of listening to their bodies. And let's just say they're obstinate. Let's just say they're they're living partially in denial that they need to make any adjustments. How do you start listening to your body? First of all, you have to make that acknowledgement. And sometimes that's probably one of the most difficult ones. It usually doesn't happen when you're nice and comfortable. Mm-hmm. That starts happening very similar to, unfortunately, in a relationship when things start going south and there's fear or there's a lot of discomfort and you want to make that change. You're saying to yourself, I don't want my marriage to go down. So I need to start making some changes and you start searching for answers. The same thing happens. You know, your health, you take it for granted until you hit that that tipping point where you get that scare and you go to the doctor and they're like, Oh, your cholesterol's through the roof. And you're like, Oh man, up to Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. People have been telling me, but now the doctor has given me proof and now it's like, okay, well I got to start making some changes. So you gotta, there's, there's usually a threshold that you reach where it causes you to take action. I think I told him the last time, but I wasn't sure, but there's a guy walking down the street. And he sees a guy and a dog in the porch and he sees that the, the dog is, is, is kind of like groaning. He's like, Whoa. like he's just, 
And the guy from the, from the sidewalk talks to the guy and he says, what's wrong with your dog? And the guy, he says, the dog is lying down on a nail. And the guy was a little bit shocked and he says, what do you mean he's lying down on a nail? He goes, yeah. The nail bothers just enough for him to complain about it, but not enough for him to do anything about it. And I think that happens with us. I think Very that much. happens with us, right? It's got to get yeah. bad enough, unfortunately, for us to take action. But I imagine if you're here listening to this, you're already on that, you're already on that path of you've already had that defining moment. Mm -hmm. And now you're starting to seek for answers. So how do you start with that communication process with your body? Well, first and foremost is getting clear on really what is it that you want and why you want it? Why is it important to you? Understanding the why things are important to you is a really good first step. So if you're like, man, I, I, I want to be able to do more business. I feel like I'm a failure if I don't keep up with, you know, the hustle that I hear everybody's supposed to be doing as an entrepreneur. Okay, well then, why is this important to you? And how does this actually contribute to your bigger vision? Mm -hmm. Right, because sometimes we're chasing someone else's vision. So we talk, I you know, I talk about it when in my book, when creating a legacy, the the things that are important are first of all is the awareness. You got to understand what that awareness of your legacy is, and this goes with the communication with your body as well. So understanding that awareness, what is the most important thing? Then what is the vision that you have? What is that big vision? that ties everything together. Next is what is the purpose? What is the why that makes all of this worth it? That thing that's gonna give you the drive to move forward. And then finally, what's that process? Mm -hmm. What's that process that's, that is aligned with your vision and your purpose and really how you wanna show up in this world and then, and then working through that in those, in those kind of using using that vision to create the steps going backwards so created you know you you have now what is it Stephen Covey that said begin with the end in mind you have mm -hmm. this vision and say okay well, what are the steps that i have to take in order to create this but in a way that still aligns with my my big why and with my value system so not working 200 hours because that's what this person is doing, but no, okay, wait. I'm, I know that for myself right now, if I am really gonna be loving myself, I know that I can only work four hours a week. So working four hours a week, what's gonna create the greatest response uh, for my business in those four hours? And the same thing for my health. What am I willing to dedicate on a daily basis for this? Maybe it's five minutes every day. Okay, well, what can I start doing to start that communication? Maybe it's just sitting and breathing and listening for five minutes. But creating Absolutely. that space, but mm -hmm. creating that space for you. You could do so much in five minutes. And I, I love that you're reverse engineering the success, but also keeping people reasonable. You have to, 
it it has to be congruent. However, your situation is, it has to be congruent. Your process also should include planning for the bad days. So we always have good days and we have bad days. And we all know the difference between the good and bad days when you're sick or disabled. So when you have a bad day, we have to do that planning before it hits so that we can keep moving along in our process and in our purpose. Consistency. Mm-hmm. Consistency and proximity allow for longevity. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So- and th- that consistency, I think, is more what I was shooting for when I talked about balance. So okay. I don't really know if there is a balance, but if we can hit consistency to some degree, even if it's like, this is what I'm going to do on this day, and this is what I'm going to do if I have a day like this. If I have a day where I can't get out of bed and I have to work, or if I have a day where I have deadlines and I have uh, projects that can be handled by a junior editor, for example, those are the types of things that you need to plan for. How are you going to continue working on those hard days? And that means being honest with yourself about your condition, which helps you when you start planning for those days that helps you to further accept the realities of your life. Right. I would say, look, nobody likes losing all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And I know we talked about a relationship, and I'm going to bring this in full circle, but if you don't feel like you're progressing, as humans, we lack fulfillment. Part of fulfillment is feeling like we are growing and progressing. Now, if you set up a system that only allows for success when the stars align, how fulfilled do you think you're really going to feel? How excited are you going to feel? Mm. It isn't going to happen. Because the honest truth, yeah, the honest truth is you're probably going to have more bad days than good days. Mm-hmm. But on the, on the flip side, if you set this expectation, and this is a huge game changer in my life and, and the lives of a lot of my clients was, When you set up these things, start with minimal effective dose. Minimal effective dose. Take your meds, right? Minimal effective Mm -hmm. dose. And -hmm. what I mean by that is create the, the actions that you can take consistently even on your worst day. Not your best day, which is what we think about when we plan. Because think about it like this. When you're planning for this, you're not in the throes of a flare-up. You're rarely, like, your brain is not in the capacity to think of self-actualization at that point. Like you're in a different brain at that point. So mm-hmm. usually when you're thinking these thoughts of, of, of growing your business, growing your health, growing all of this stuff, you're in a good place. So you come and you think about it from that place. But what you need to think about it from is, even on my worst day, could I do this? 
if the if the answer is no, then start there. What would you be able to do consistently, even on your worst day, on the day that you still have a flare up? Could you still write, you know, 50 words? Could you type mm -hmm. 50 words? Could you record a video? Could you do, you know, this all stemmed from something that happened to me, which was I noticed I was not being consistent because I would set these, I'm a kind of go big or go home kind of person, an all in very immersive type of person when I set goals. And I noticed that I was being very inconsistent with everything. And so I decided to set five little habits that I wanted to do at first for 30 days to see if I could do them. And they were take 40 breath meditation. So basically sit down and take 40 breaths and that's it. That was one thing. Mm -hmm. Number two was do 10 minutes of movement or exercise. Number three was to read five pages in a book every single day. Number four was make a video every day. And number five was write 50 words a day. Now, I started and I could do every single one of those. I could do every single one of those even on my worst day because the video didn't have to be for, every, for anybody except for myself. Hmm. Right? It I was love just that idea. It was the yeah. practice of it. And now I'm going on uh, to be exact. Today is... I haven't missed a single day in, let's see, I will tell you right now, in 570, today's six days. I've done wow. this 576 days. They're very, Holy very cow. little. They're <laughs> very, very little. But because I started doing those, I've now written a book, thanks mm -hmm. to your help too, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've written a book, something that writing was very difficult for me. It's still difficult for me, but I've built up the endurance to be able to write. I would write two paragraphs before and I'd be exhausted and it would take me three to four hours. Mm -hmm. I just finished a book and it's 214 pages. I never thought I'd do that. So that little practice has led to that. Um, the, the standing in front of a video and making a video every single day. It's actually helped me become a better speaker. And now when I stand on stage, not only am I more confident, I'm clearer on my message. And I often get people to come to me and say, wow, you're such a great speaker. I didn't start that way. I know that there's still a lot of room for improvement, but 576 days of standing in front of a camera and pretending like I'm in front of an audience has helped me become a better speaker. You know, each one of them has led to other things, but those are just two examples. And so what I'm saying is start with the things that even on your worst day you can do, because there were days that I had the flu for like two weeks and mm -hmm. I still did them. I still did them because I set up the rules so that I can win the exercise stretching counted as exercise. Some days I made the, the conscious decision that today for my exercise, I'm going for a walk. Other days, I'd run. Other days, I'd lift. But there was a, there was a lot of flexibility, and I was the judge. No one else, because they were for me, whether I can stay consistent with it. 
So these are the conscious decisions that you made to set yourself up for success. And that is what the takeaway is today. And it's okay to say, and I I don't want us going into this with the scarcity mindset of saying, I can only do this. I think we need to say, I'm going to do this. Not approaching it from an only or a just or minimizing the accomplishments, because really, these, what seem to be smaller accomplishments, they can make a big difference. I started they, they doing help create the space. That's, yes, I they think do. That's the biggest thing. They do they help create the space for you to grow from them. Absolutely. They're not, they're not the end on be all, but they create that space and they create the momentum. And right now, consistency is the biggest thing that that people suffering with disease have is they they lack the consistency. Of or or let me rephrase, they lack the predictability of what's going to happen in their day. And even on your worst day, if you've created this r- ritual and routine that serves you, that creates space for excellence, what ends up happening is that even on your worst day, you maintain a level of predictability, one that you are in control over. You don't always have control over how your body's going to respond, how your disease is going to take over on that day. But you do have control over these little micro habits. That's what I call them. And And that makes all the difference. Yeah. And wouldn't it be something? Wouldn't it be something to actually feel like a measure of control was returned to you? You can use these actions to further your business. Maybe your 50 words are going to be a social media post Mm -hmm. that you'll use. Maybe your video could be a Facebook live video. So you take advantage of that algorithm and you build up your credibility. It's amazing what these little goals can do because then inside your head, once you start succeeding, you start thinking differently about yourself. Instead of I can only do this or I have to do it this way, it becomes look what I did. Look what I did. I'm really proud of myself. And that just only begets more of the same. So really important messages today in being honest with your condition and being honest with the adaptation, because we know we don't use the L word limitation, really important messaging in making these deliberate decisions these micro decisions to set yourself up for success. So we're coming around again to wrapping it up, which just speeds by every time we, (laughs) every time we have you on, but let's talk about getting in a funk for a minute. When you get into a funk for a day or a couple of hours, what works for you to come out of that funk? Okay. The same thing that, the same thing that I would that that happens to professional athletes when they're in a funk, a batter. Do you know what the what the what the what the cure for a, a batter's uh, slump is? No. Is continue swinging. It's a function of continuing swinging. Nothing's wrong with you. 
you just got to continue swinging. So part of that is creating rituals that, again, you have control over. And the difference is that when you focus on re- you, when you focus on the result instead of the process, you don't always have control of the result, but you often have have control over the process. So going back to establishing these little micro habits that bring predictability, and when you get into a funk, more often than not, you've steered away from the things that are predictable for you that you can have control over and work on. You've started focusing on the things you don't have control over. You get in a funk because now judgment sets in. Why am I not here? Why is this happening to me? Right? Do you see, do you, can you see how all oh, of a sudden you go from control to helpless? And definitely. that's what funk is. Definitely. And I tell my authors this too, that there is no such thing as writer's block. There's writer's judgment. Mm. So this is what holds us up. Um, Phenomenal conversation with you today. And these are mind hacks. So if you get into a funk or you're struggling, I want you to listen to this episode again. I want you to hear that these are some definite prescriptive tips to help you move forward in a way where you are going to feel positive and confident and empowered. Thank you so much for being on today. Let's let people know how they can get in touch with you. Uh, You guys can find me at armandocruz.com. That's probably the hub for everything. I'm on Twitter. Uh, not so much on Instagram, but I am also on Facebook as well. So you can look me up there as well. And you just, uh, have a best-selling book I heard. Yes, yes, yes. I have a best-selling book, the legacy code on Amazon. Uh, if you want to check that out, you can go to legacycodebook.com. That's been life altering for me. Like I mentioned, what started off as little micro habits, uh, allowed me to build up the the endurance, if you want, and the clarity to be able to write this book and then connect with the people to help share this with the world, you know? So, you know, the book, when when I launched it, was on pre-order. And from that, we made it a bestseller within the first day because there were so many people behind it that believed in that message uh, family, friends, clients, uh, people who I had connected with that were so excited about it. And they were telling everyone that within the first day we made it a bestseller. So I'm completely blown away by the, the generosity and the excitement of it. And at the same time, I'm, I'm excited to be able to share it with the world. And I am not blown away the fact that you went to the bestseller status because I read it. I know that it is absolutely jam-packed with different ways of thinking. And that is exactly what we need when we get stuck. We need these different ways of thinking because we're all different thinkers. So I want you to keep that in mind today. Whatever resonated with you to help you move forward, that is a win 
for us here. So thanks for being on so much. Thank you for sharing so much of yourself and helping our very special community. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Creating microhabits has a huge impact on how far ahead we will get into our success. And I'm so thankful to Armando Cruz for sharing his mind hacks with us today. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you took a lot out of it to help you improve your life. Do you like what you heard? This sick-ass podcast? Please subscribe wherever podcasts are available and leave a review, share, and listen each week. Also, check out sickbiz.com, the official sponsor of this show, where you can read about entrepreneurs' stories just like yours. People sharing their hope, resources, hacks, and dreams to make the challenges in front of them much more manageable. And if you need help, please make sure to reach out and send an email to sickbizco at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Be well.